You're listening to the Ones Ready Podcast, a team of Air Force Special Operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your favorite CCT personality, JTAC extraordinaire, embracer of the ridiculous face, and like the shortest operator you'll ever meet, Peaches. Hey everybody, welcome to the Ones Ready Podcast. You're in the team room with us. We've been getting a lot of questions on what life is like on a daily basis when you're not deployed, when you're not doing temporary duty or TDY or TAD. So we want to give you guys a little peek behind the curtain of what that's like. Uh, that way you can kind of get your mind right for it. So before we get into that, though, I want to talk to you guys about you're already familiar with Alpha Brew and Strikeforce Energy, and you guys can go to their websites and get a sweet discount. But we've also partnered with another company, Eberly Stock. So they provide... Uh, hunting and tactical rucksacks and pouches for all of our guys out there. So those three affiliates and partners of ours, if you go to their websites and you enter Ones Ready into the promo code, you guys are going to get a pretty sweet discount on a lot of their products. Or in fact, not all of them, or not a lot of them, all of them. How about that? So Absolutely, Peach. And I just want to throw in there just a couple things because I actually purchased the F1 mainframe from these guys and I just got it in a couple days ago and tried it out for the first time. And I got to say, it was definitely an upgrade from the ruck that I've been using operationally for, you know, the past couple of years. And, you know, one of the most awesome things about it is that the frame actually comes with a bunch of comp- compression straps. So, you know, aside from the lip, you can put like a jerry can, you can put bags of salt or whatever kind of, you know, rock bags and any other kind of sandbag that you can get. And you can throw that on the back of the ruck and that could be your weight, you know. And then in addition to that, uh, I bought the bat wing pouches, which can go on the outside for if I'm actually going to go out on the mountain and do some stuff, I can throw some stuff in my pack, like jackets and all that snacks and everything. And it fits all that stuff. And it's pretty modular. It has a molly system that goes with it on the mainframe itself. And then, you know, aside from that, you can strap anything else to it. So it's really awesome, really durable. And I used it for the first time this morning and it was solid. I get, and like, it was super comfortable. I was able to do like a nine minute pace with 40 pounds, super easy, like no problem at all. And it was really comfortable. So I definitely recommend that. And if you have any problems with the ruck, uh, Eberly stock, that's E B E R L E S T O C K. They offer a lifetime warranty. So any problems that you have with the ruck, they stand behind their product. They actually have a video of them testing it out and they put over 700 pounds on this ruck and the only thing that gave way was one of the plastic buckles so you know it's a pretty well built ruck and that's why i purchased the ruck that i did because i think it's pretty transferable and i like to do rucks on my own i'm going to keep on doing that for the rest of my life which is perfect for that lifetime warranty so we don't want to give you guys any products that would we wouldn't use ourselves um and this definitely is one of the products that i would use operationally yeah yeah, I gotta, I gotta go on. I need to recover from Christmas a little bit, and then I plan on going to get some. <laughs> so, okay. And then while you guys are online, if you don't mind going over to YouTube, checking us out, leaving us a comment, subscribing. If you're, if iTunes or Spotify is your jam, go over there, subscribe, and leave a review if you can. So, we'll jump right into it, and then so. In garrison life, or if you're not familiar with the term garrison, garrison is the term that military uses for when they're back at their home station and not TDY or temporary duty or deployed. So when we say garrison, that's what we mean. And 
a lot of questions that we begin is, hey, if you're not doing all the stuff, you know, downrange or doing missions, what are you actually doing a day to day? Which is a good question. And it's one that we get a lot. So this what you're doing on a daily basis is going to depend on what location you are stationed at. You know, if you're up in Washington state, you're going to be doing more cold weather stuff because it's cold. If you're in Texas or you're in North Carolina, or if you're in Florida and you have the AC on, on Christmas day, like <laughs> you're going to be doing maybe more water stuff, you know, and it's not like I've got mountains around here either. So, uh, Trent, we'll start with you just as a special reconnaissance dude. What is your daily life like in Garrison? All right. So first, first off, like we don't spend a ton of time in Garrison. At least I never did. Right. Like I was, I was gone a lot, but, um, like at the two, three, we'd show up about six thirty or seven every day, uh, in Garrison life PT for a couple hours, uh, throw our uniforms on, hit the meetings that we need to hit. And then, um, it's just the same thing as everything else. We're just running those checklists. So we're checking out our weapons, making sure everything's good to go. Uh, we're seeing if we have the ranges available for our SWAS training, um, and, and, and all of our other training, right? So if I just came back from a rotation, like a couple months ago, I might be uh, hooking my guys up at the formal schools, uh, getting them everything they need to go for the air force and all that. And then just like a, the, the day to day is, um, we're trying to get some training events and trying to get that training value out of that day. Um, whether it's shooting, it's comms, it's, it's whatever else it is. Um, so that, that we don't have a stateside mission. So all we do when we're home is train and think about training and set up more training uh, and PT, right? So, so that's that's what we're doing, you know. So we're heading to all the shops in the in the squadron, uh, making sure all our stuff's squared away, setting up for the next training event, and uh, you know, make sure we, we stay as sharp as we can before we head out the door again. Okay, good. So ju- I just want to clarify something so that because most people don't know what SWAS is, so oh. that is sm- <laughs> what is it. It's a, the small unmanned aerial uh, systems. It's drones for, for all you kids out there. Uh, it's all the same thing. It does basically the same the same thing as your, your little quadcopters you, you spy on your neighbors with. That's, well, that's not weird, huh? Is that, what, yeah. is that what we're doing? That's not what I'm doing, but I don't know. I know that, the, I know that that's what people think we're doing. <laughs> so, awesome. Uh, one more thing that you talked about, too. Um, and and it's often overlooked for people is that when when you said that we don't have a stateside mission, that is generally true. The only time that we would start doing things stateside, and this is primarily the guard, but our active duty guys do the, do this as well, is kind of your your hurricane relief and assistance uh, or disaster stuff. So your Hurricane Katrina, what what was it in Texas? That was Harvey, right? It was Harvey. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Harvey. Yeah. Um, Irma, so Puerto Rico guys doing stuff as well. So like in garrison, we will get pulled for that if we're doing alert, if we happen to be in the general vicinity. So right. that's, a, that's another aspect of it. So awesome. Appreciate it. So Brian, as a PJ, what would you do in garrison life in terms of um, home station training? What does your day overall look like? Or maybe your week? Yeah, I'll tell you, like, one of my favorite things about becoming or being a PJ was just that every single day was not the same as the last. So I think, like you were saying earlier, it's very unit dependent, like based on whoever the commander is at the time, because they kind of set up our time schedules and whether or not we're allowed to go home after the work's done kind of thing, or you're going to stay and do some CBTs, because I know we've all been there like, all right, there's 
it's Friday afternoon. Are we allowed to go home early or are we going to throw down some kind of crazy CBT or some kind of checklist thing that that came up Surprise red on the commander's training. list? Yeah. And we're like, <laughs> all right, everyone didn't do this training for the rest of the week because all of us are kind of like, I don't want to sit on a computer and hack away at whatever thing. So uh, unfortunately, that is a part of every Air Force job where we still have to do CBTs, we still have to do EPRs, reports, send up training and like, you know, contact the ranges, do a bunch of paperwork for legality purposes and scheduling. So, you know, a lot of time is kind of spent with that. But the unit dependent stuff, like I was talking about, was basically uh, most places that you go, or at least the places that I've been, you get a set schedule, you know, back at Nellis, we had from 6.30 until 8.30 or 9-ish, you uh, basically had to work out and then you start your day at nine o'clock. You have to be in uniform. You have to be ready to go for whatever kind of thing they're doing in the day. Um, so aside from that, we also do, you know, we're pretty heavy as far as pararescue specifically, obviously medical wise, everything that we do in training is incorporated into there. So, you know, if we didn't have any actual, you know, helicopters or anything scheduled, we'd always have like the IDMTs or the docs, run um, run us through medical scenarios like trauma lanes. We'd have patients. We'd have just make sure that we're good on our skills. And then when we did have the aircraft and the facilities, we would, um, you know, get super comfortable in the helicopter because that's kind of our bread and butter um, for most of the mission sets, you know, depending on the AOR, whether it's fixed wing or rotary wing, uh, practicing stuff in the back of the uh, aircraft as it's banking, low levels, whatever, obviously would make it as hard as possible um, for that kind of thing. Um, and then the other thing that is really like you guys are talking about the disaster relief stuff. Um, that's huge. Pretty much once a year, there's some kind of disaster and PJs deployed to that type of disaster. So we always got to be on call for that kind of thing. We have each unit has a different SOP for how they run that thing. And, you know, depending on that, basically there's one team that's on with a full mission set profile of people. So, You'll just be called. It's obviously usually on a Sunday or sometime when you're not <laughs> planning on actually, uh, or you're not at work already. So, um, yeah, you can be called at any time. So that's also something that keeps you on your toes. Um, in addition to that, um, amphibious ops. So that was also one of my favorite things. Like we always have a helicopter squadron or some kind of squadron that can come pick us up, take us to the lake, take us to the ocean and start jumping in, start throwing boats out there and start again, training medicine, throwing medicine into there, riding on boats, um, jumping out of helicopters, just having a blast out there. Um, so, and like Trent said, it's mostly anything that we're talking about here for the most part is all training stuff, trying to get ready for whatever AOR we're going to next, whether it be wherever, Africa, Middle East, wherever else we're going to go. So it's all tailored to that stuff. Um, and then climbing, that is another huge part that we do ropes, technical rescue. That's our bread and butter. So all these things you can see, like they start to pile up and there's no way that you can just practice on one for two months or whatever. We're not going to become the absolute best in every single thing. It's everything is like 95% or as high as we can get it. If we stop doing it for a little bit, then we're like, Oh crap. How do we, how did I do that <laughs> little trick that we did that they taught us in that thing? And then other dudes like, Oh, you just do this. Cause there's always one dude that's like really good at it. Cause he loves doing the ropes or whatever. So 
Yeah. Um, that's kind of how, that's kind of what we nope, do. That's good. And that's a, that's a good yeah. recap. So I, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say that there, you're right. There always is this one guy that, you know, his, uh, his jam is, is Rams packages. I mean, he, he is the expert. Yeah. We have the technical orders that help us build it and all that kind of stuff. But there's always like one dude that you need to rig a, a Ramsey or a, a rigged alternate method Zodiac for you guys. Um, did I get that right, Brian? I just want to make sure that I didn't get get that wrong. But, Rigging ultimate, yeah. Yeah, there we go. So Basically, it, it's a boat in a package. Right. So take the you know the black tactical Zodiacs and roll it up with an engine and put a parachute on it and we drop it out. But they're kind of a pain to to rig and and get ready to jump. And but there's always one guy that can. Hey, yeah, I'll get this, and they they knock it out. And while I'm sitting there in the back, like, man, I'm glad that ain't me. <laughs> It's, it's a pain because you have to do a specific knot on each specific little tie. And there's little, like, if you look at a picture, you go Google it, Ramsey. There's little things all over the place. Like, has to be this kind of fabric or this because the air crew is going to come through and they're going to be like, this is not what is on the regulation. And then you have to redo it like three times. I know because I had to redo it a million times when I was a young dude, like trying to figure this stuff out. So it is a pain in the butt, but God. Yep. <laughs> Get this trash off my plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. Well, that's good stuff. So that that is things that can be done every day as a PJ. And it, you know, what's funny about it is that you didn't even, you know, go into some of the other stuff that you need to be proficient on. And it's not about currency. It's about being proficient. And okay, I think you named off five different things that are completely different. Now, granted, you can incorporate medical scenarios and medicine into you know doing fast roping or doing amphibious operations or or vehicles and shooting and stuff like that and we do but just to maintain proficiency on medicine alone is extremely difficult and then you throw all those it just makes it even more stuff that you have to have to know and remember and be good at yeah, because on top of being nationally registered uh, paramedics, we also do, you know, more advanced medical procedures that other paramedics don't really do too much, like chest tubes and crikes and that kind of stuff. So, you know, I guess they proficient on all that stuff. In addition to other things that I didn't really mention, like just swift water rescue, um, extrication type of stuff, like a million different things. Basically, we have to and be in any scenario and be able to figure out how we're going to get this dude so yeah lots of other things like you said man if only you guys had a theme song like i need a hero or something like that (laughs) (laughs) oh there's there's lots of videos out there i'm sure you can go on youtube and and check out those i'm sure somebody's dubbed uh some kind of i need a hero over a video of pjs (laughs) yeah it's probably a video of aaron eating a sandwich or something oh aaron Man, I really hope he comes in late to this podcast. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> okay, so life as a combat controller real quick in, in Garrison. So I, I can just, I can speak to what we did at my last unit in terms of we'd have everybody show at 7 o'clock. We'd just make sure that everybody is alive and counted for because, you know, our guys like the party pretty hard. Um, so we got to make sure that they're not dead in the gutter. Not but combat controllers. <laughs> No, we don't like the party at all. Well, this guy doesn't anymore, but, you know, that is what it is. <laughs> so, 7 o'clock, 
just get a quick accountability. And then it's pretty amazing that we're given two hours of dedicated training time in terms of getting getting in the gym or the pool or whatever and working out. I can't say that there's that many career fields uh, other than special warfare and then other, you know, special operations communities that dedicate and allow you and encourage you. Like you will work out during this time. Try not to, and me, I would try not to schedule any kind of training uh, between that zero seven and nine o'clock, just because I didn't want to interrupt guys' opportunity to train. So seven to nine in the gym, or the that way there's of- no excuses. Also, you know, if you yeah. show up and you're a little pudgy, like, hey, <laughs> what are you doing? Are you sleep? You're just sleeping in? It's pretty obvious. Come on, man. <laughs> well, it's funny too is about the, that whole pudginess, right? With the with the uh, combat tops, that stuff it, it doesn't hide. <laughs> you can't hide the fat. So it, it definitely is a little bit form fitting. So. You can tell when somebody's been skipping it, or they've been partaking in Christmas meals. It's they a combat chassis, the, bro. Uh, they haven't been skipping the McDonald's drive for you. No, 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 no. Well, you know, you got to go get a bag of burgers. You never know. Just a bag of burgers. I don't even know what that means, but that's what my guys would get. They would go, whatever we do a road trip, training-wise, I, they're going to hate that I'm actually bringing us up, but... These dudes, I mean, I had one dude on my team that was 6'5". Five, 6'5". Five. He's enormous. And we would hit a McDonald's, and he'd get a bag of burgers. Just... <laughs> that was, he'd, he'd go up to the mic and be like, what would you like at McDonald's? He'd say, that, a bag of burgers. That's no kidding what he'd Fill do. And they were like, okay, well, we kind of need to know, you know, how many. And he'd usually get about 8 to 10 burgers. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't eat them all at once. He'd eat them throughout the day. Yeah. But I'm like, that's that's pretty foul. <laughs> but if, anyway, back to PT. <laughs> so after nine, you know, we'd, we'd be in the team room or whatever we're doing. So we do, we had opportunity to do close air support in, in a, um, over the base or in a, a nearby town. So we'd drive and go do that, do practice close air support, getting our techniques and procedures down for that. We'd also, if we didn't have any air support, we would grab radios, especially if you're a new guy and some of the more advanced um, operations within the radios, we practice those, train to them. We'd go shooting, we'd do demolition stuff, we'd do jumping just like everybody's very familiar with because most of us typically enjoy jumping, so it makes sense. We'd also do diving, especially out at Hurlburt Field, because and we've got gorgeous beaches right there. We've got warm water. Um, we'd do, surprisingly, and you probably remember this, Brian, we'd do a good amount of diving over in England, and which was pretty cold. Yeah, it was the worst kind of diving that you can do. It's not like vacation diving. Every single dive was in a dry suit. And you're just in some cold, murky water in a lake or even in the North Sea. I mean, it's just cold and murky. It's always going to be rainy and just eh, whatever. But Scotland was really awesome. Yeah. I did like going on trips up there. This this water here, man, it would like we'd uh, go to Stony Cove, right? Mm -hmm. Is the name of the Mm -hmm. place. And they had buses and they had a little submarine down at the bottom of it. But this this water was so cold. Oh. And then, yeah, but you're right, going to dive. But we, you know, being overseas uh, at Milton Hall, we'd get a chance to go to diving in Albania or something like that, which was a little bit better. But, um, but it's not, it's not diving off of Fort Walton Beach for sure. 
<laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's not like the two, three, take a hot, little hop down to Puerto Rico for a little dive trip. It's like the same thing. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no reason why you can't go train in nice places. It doesn't yeah. always have to be a, a dump. Yeah, you know? but you can't sell it like we're just going to specifically dive over here where there's this coral reef, like send us all down here just for a <laughs> vacation. You have to tie it in some other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to survive the jungle first before they'd let anybody do anything else fun. So yeah. exactly. <laughs> you, you, you spend a week out there starving, and then yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. You you definitely if you're going to go to some sweet location, there has to be some kind of suck factor at the end of it, and go, okay, how are you paying the man on the, on yeah. a part of this? Whether it's on the front side or the back side, like, you got to pay the man somehow. <laughs> I don't even know if we do it on purpose, but we always tend to find the suck no matter what. That's yeah, that's valid. <laughs> that's valid. But well, that's fine, part of us feels guilty too. I mean, you know, we know that we're going to an awesome place, and we're we have to earn something, and we're going to send it up to whoever to be approved, and we know that they're going to be like, okay, what are you guys actually doing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you mean they can see right through the the, yeah, the BS? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that never happens. So, um, but you know, if if I'm if we're doing training, you know, we try and schedule the training within a normal duty day, which would be, you know, seven to four or something like that. If we, most of the guys don't mind staying a little bit later because we're, we're doing stuff, we're, we're training, we're operating and we're hanging out with the boys. That's, I mean, that's really what everybody enjoys doing. Um, I, I can't think of anything or, or of anyone or any time where somebody's like, man, I really want to go home. This training sucks. In terms of, uh, I want to call it early, um, except for maybe when we're all really cold. That's about. That's about it. <laughs> well, some of those, some of those ores that we used to do out there with gas masks and whatever, those are kind of <laughs> yeah. big Air Force type of things. Yeah. So if it just you reminded me, Brian. So ore is operational readiness exercise for all those you're listening, and. Uh, when Brian mentioned CBTs, those are computer-based training. So we have to, as in the Air Force and, and other services, there are computer-based training, which are little courses that you have to take on human trafficking. Um, information assurance. Information assurance. So protecting, uh, protecting information on computers. There's operational security. There's all these kind of little things that help tick a box within the military that are all done on the computer that you've got to do and it's usually an annual requirement so that's what cbts are so a lot of a lot of times so it's a metric that the air force tracks and if you are deficient in and you want to go to a dive trip to puerto rico or you want to go out shooting or something like that a lot of a lot of leadership won't let you go and do that stuff until the entire team is 100% on that. So that's just some housekeeping or some administrative administrative stuff that you can expect. And it's just the reality of being in the military. It I think I actually have a picture of either me or one of the dudes like in a full mop uniform doing CBTs on a tough book or whatever when we were in because we were just kind of sit around and we'd be in mop four for like hours and hours and so we just like okay i guess we'll just knock out this stuff so yeah <laughs> maybe I'll that up here. uh i was going to describe what mop is or at least the acronym and i don't remember what mop is but 
if you if you don't know what MOP is, I know the active duty guys that are listening to this know what MOP is, but if you don't, it is chemical warfare gear that are big, uh, big suits, pants, uh, pants and a jacket and a gas mask with special boots and special gloves, and you walk around like you're the the guys out of ET or you're checking out some aliens or something like that that are wearing these these big suits. They are not, not fun. It's to not operate cool. In. It's not. Doesn't sound. <laughs> Making no, it sound no, a little bit cool, cool, and it's not cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're very hot. Um, you can't communicate very well. And uh, if you got to go to the bathroom, it's it's kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> Everything's a pain in those things. You're right. There, there's nothing that is fun about those things, which I think is why they do it. But fortunately, <laughs> we don't have to do it that often. But <laughs> So, no. okay, cool. Well, um, you know, one of the other aspects of it, and this is leadership dependent, would be um, like we typically don't do an eight-hour workday, you know, where you're, you're showing up at this time and then you're out by this time, depending on the unit and depending on your leadership. A lot of times if you have nothing going on, like if training's complete and everybody's done what they need to, then it's big boy rules and you get out and you you leave work and you go do whatever you need to do, whether it's, you know, take the dog to the vets or, or your own medical appointments or go get the oil change in the car or something like that. Big boy rules because we require so much of your time being deployed, being gone, doing training that we kind of go, okay, well, since we've had you gone, let's allow you, let's give you a little bit more free space, a little bit more time to go take care of those things that you're missing whenever you've been gone. Um, but Again, some units or some leadership, like they do require an, an eight-hour day. So it, it all depends on where you're going to go. But for the most part, everybody is on big boy rules, and you, you go take care of whatever you need to. Have you guys experienced anything other than that? No. it's a, I mean, there's a lot of the trust there, you know. So, like, I remember uh, I, I met up with some guys in the parking lot at the 2-3, and they thought that I'd PCS'd away because I was – TDY so often, you know what I mean? So in, in situations like that, and, and you, you know, you can come in for a day and if they got nothing planned, the team sergeant or your team leader might just be like, bro, do you have anything that you need to take care of? Cause I know that you're never here. So go take care of your family, go take care of real life stuff um, with the expectation. And especially after you've been on team a while that you're still going to maintain all the standards you need to maintain and be there for uh, all the training that you really need to be there for. But um it can be pretty relaxed when it comes to um, making sure that, that you're taken care of because you have to have, have that balance in your life. You know what I mean? So you can't just be gone 330 days a year every year and, and maintain a family and maintain any, any normalcy. Uh, and, and so they understand that. And I actually think, I think our community is really good about making sure guys are home for, for you know, babies being born and, and significant life events uh, compared to what I've seen from uh, maybe some of the sister service units or even regular air force units uh yeah. the understanding that you know we we do ask a lot of our guys and our, it's a lifestyle so if we can take care of our people we, we tend to do a pretty good job oh 100 percent. i i mean i it just it's oh i i hate it whenever i'm tdy or i'm i'm hanging out and talking to friends and i see i mean man the family just had a baby or I mean, he just got back from deployment and then they're sending him on some kind of professional military education. Like this dude's just been gone for six months. 
I mean, this can't wait. Yeah, and I think, you know, Trent, you hit it on the head right there. With the biggest thing that you can do in your life if you get to the teams is balance because a lot of times you can go full throttle and just stay in the team the whole time, be ready for that next thing, and just not, never see your family again. But there has to be some, some give there because – your family's going to be there after you're done with the military. Yes. Or at least you want them to be there after you're done with the military. <laughs> um, if you're sitting at work and you're always there doing whatever, because everyone wants to be a squared away dude, because we preach that all the time. Like, you know, it's it's not in doc anymore. We understand that you have a life outside of the things that you're doing in the military. So, you, you know, if you're the new guy, do your best to to – show that you're competent and you're willing to do as, as much as it takes to do that. But as a team sergeant, they're going to know like this guy's really burning himself out. Like I've had a couple of dudes like, dude, just get out of here. Like you've been, I know you're wanting to do this and I know that you're willing to do as much as you can. Then I need you to go take care of yourself because I don't want you to burn out before we even go on deployment. Cause it's going to be even worse once we actually are gone. And then you can't really ever see your family and she's going to resent you for that. And your kids are going to get upset about that. So um, keeping that life. But on the other side of things, you don't want to be that dude that's always just like, well, it's one o'clock. We're not doing anything. Bye. Like, <laughs> I'm out. like before you even like, well, we, we have team gear. We have other things like, you know, do your due dil- diligence and spend the time to help out the team. But aside from that, you know, go to team sergeant and be like, sergeant, this is what I got. This is what I did. Good to go. All right. Get out of here. Yeah, so. and generally the team sergeants will recognize that anyway and look out yeah. for their guys. Not just team sergeant, the team leader as well, or the, the yeah. troop commander, but um, the team sergeant is the, is the one that is focused on down and in on the people because that's, that's his primary job is to make sure the guys are trained and make sure the guys are taken care of. And, and that is imperative on the team sergeant to be able to recognize that and kind of block any extraneous BS that could be coming towards his guys so that's a that's good good point so unless you guys have any follow-up shots i'm gonna close this out nope nope yeah okay part about the job is always changing (laughs) yeah it is definitely not the same thing every day which i think is what is appealing to i know it's what it's appealing to me and i think it's what's appealing to everybody else is not um showing up and expecting to work on a spreadsheet every single day which you know, if you work on a spreadsheet every single day, like right on, because we need those people as well. But that is not me because I will be a caged animal <laughs> or cubicle land or something like that. So that has okay. been the worst part of PA school for me is being just stuck in four walls for the majority of the day. Like every day, uh, I just have to like go for a walk with the dogs, do something outside, see some sun because I, I just, it drives me crazy. We're not made to be indoors, man. Yeah. We, we've got to be outside. I don't have any windows where I work right now, Ugh. right now, where I work. Now um, you're putting on that rank, though, so they're going to move you up to this. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so, awesome. Well, if you guys don't have anything else, um, we've given you guys a kind of a snapshot of what a day in life is like in garrison at a special tactics squadron or a rescue squadron whether you're a special reconnaissance dude, a PJ, a CCT, and that's just because what is represented right now, but the TACPs are very similar to that as well. So again, just a snapshot. It changes depending on your location of what unit you're assigned, 
what leadership you happen to have, or maybe you're in that leadership position that you can then affect any kind of change that you want to then run your team or run your squadron. So keep that in mind. I hope this has answered all of your questions. Please go to YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or any of your desired podcast media uh, you know, modalities or whatever you want to call it. Subscribe, leave us a review, and we truly appreciate you listening. So we're out here. Later. Later.